0: Welcome to the Providence Leftist Radio, this is Crow, and we're going to be talking about a couple of things that happened recently, whether it was gun legislation at the State House, or Pride being a full example of rainbow capitalism. So, joining me will be Toby. Hello. And for the first time, our new co-host, Halls.
1: Hi there. Hello.
0: So, for our new listeners, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: So... A uh, little bit about me, as you guys might have seen me around if you're local to Providence. I've lived here for eight years. In the last couple years, I've started performing at local venues, um, performing my own music, solo pop punk act. It kind of, you know, it's a little odd, but it works, apparently. I've heard good things. And uh, just like I uh, used to busk around Thayer Street and uh, a little bit downtown, uh, I haven't been too active on the political scene, but uh, I will say I have some strong opinions about leftist policies and about how uh, the people with power and uh, money, which is really just power but quantified, are really fucking us over.
1: Yeah.
0: So starting off, it's going to be the state house. There were three things in relation to guns that recently passed, and folks have many things to say, or maybe not, not enough. This has nothing to do with like red flag laws, but we have talked again about that more in detail in the other episode. But like you know, red flag laws have shown that they don't actually work. They primarily would just be used against the more impoverished and marginalized communities.
1: And can you elaborate on what red flags, red flag laws are?
0: Yeah, so, like, the red flag law, like, um, it's actually different depending on who's, like, proposing it. But usually they come from the same gist of, like, if someone who's considered, like, a possible threat, which the problem with that is depends who you're talking about, who that threat would be. Like, if we want to remember recently, our past president, Trump, had tried um, calling people who would be considered Mm anti-fascists as terrorists. So one can see how dangerous something like that can end up being. And also like the idea would be like, if someone has like a diagnosis for a specific mental illness that can uh, come into play. But of course as shown, like people who are mentally ill, aren't going to just be a danger just because they have mental illness.
2: And I I think that that kind of plays into um, a crux of the bigger problem with these kinds of laws is that when you use vague terminology um, to specify an enemy that should be monitored and um, have actions taken against, um, we really need to be aware and um, informed about just like, who are we calling the enemy? Because the enemy is whoever... The people making the laws want it to be and we need to be especially aware of those laws um, because, you know, I feel like hopefully most of the people listening to this type of podcast will know the adage of first they came for the communists, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and eventually they could come for you. And it's very it's a very hyperbolic statement to make. I I aware I'm I'm aware that it's something that um is on the borderline of fear mongering, but I think that it is a point that has been proven time and again. We just need to remember who is making the statements, who is making
1: who who is in power, and what are their goals, and do they align with yours? Yeah, and I, oh, sorry. Um, it's definitely not fear-mongering. I mean, we are, like, slowly, or actually much more quickly, um, leaning into a fascist state with this whole border patrol can invade your house if you're 100, uh, if, if you're less than 100 miles away from the border, which, by the way, does, it does affect Providence. There have been so many fascist rulings or, you know, pushes from the Supreme Court to lead into a fascist state, uh, that have happened over the last couple of months, Um, You know, it's not hyperbolic to acknowledge that there is a lot of stress from marginalized communities. And, like, it's understandable the way that people might react with, like, you know, gun control legislation is the way to go because we're, we're reacting with a sense of trauma. There have been horrible events that have happened over the past couple of months, and they all, at their root... Have some association with this kind of weaponry. It's understandable why somebody might take the stance that like might take a well meaning stance that guns need to be taken away but one one way that you could address that in a in a united fashion is to address something like the n r a getting a non profit status, let alone you know, existing in the first place and being able to spread tons of racist propaganda or taking away guns from police so that they don't have the power that they did in that situation to intimidate the community from being able to get involved. And, you know, now we're hearing tons of other stuff about how the police aren't cooperating with investigations in, in Uvalde. Um,
2: but, you know, it, it, that's a separate topic. It, it, exactly. Like, do you guys mind if I go really big picture with this?
1: Do it. Do it. I dare you.
2: So, this sounds bad, but let, but let me get there. Oh, no.
0: <laughs>
2: the problem is that we're talking about gun legislation right now. The problem is that we're talking about gun legislation instead of what actually causes these shootings. Like, we're not talking about the militarization of the police We're not talking about uh, how to break up white supremacist cells in this country. We're not talking about how these two groups terrorizing marginalized people, especially people of color, make them feel the need to defend themselves, which just puts more guns in the atmosphere of this country. And I don't care if uh, your magazine has 10 rounds, 15, or 35, if you feel the need to protect yourself with a gun, like you're gonna get a gun. Whatever damage these people want to do, they will do because they have guns. And I'm not saying that the solution is to take away all the guns, because people are always going to be able to fucking get guns, especially when we are making these laws that only affect the public, and not the police and not ex-military uh people who are joining these groups and i'm and, I, and i'm not saying that everyone in the military is a fucking shitbag white supremacist but i am saying that allowing white supremacists who come out of the military to have higher access to firearms than the average citizen is part of the problem
0: and i do want to add as well when it comes to this legislation there's always a butt in there and that but for exclusion is the police and even retired officers as well.
2: And, and, and this is the problem of letting these conversations be had that make the dialogue be controlled by the politicians, by the police officers, by the people who have not talked to working class gun owners who are not also part of the IRA. Or, uh, not IRA, the the NRA. (laughs) If
0: only they were a part of the IRA. I mean... (laughs) Oh, that would have been... That'd be nice. (laughs) I do
2: enjoy a good Irish cocktail. But, uh, in the stages, in the venues that... And I'm using an air quote here, that matter, that are being heard by the American people, the dialogue and the conversations are being controlled by news organizations, police departments, and politicians, none of which are actually looking out for our
1: interests. Um, Crow, you are very passionate about this gun legislation. What would you propose as an alternative to addressing Uvalde, besides police and things like that? Because, of course, we all oh, agree on police. <laughs>
0: so there are a couple of things. So um, I'll get to um, Uvalde. I mean, we've talked about it already. We talked about it in other episodes, primarily the one with the John Brown Gun Club. Where the focus on like what's happening in these areas are like due to um, white supremacy and and a whole aspects in relation to that. But I do want to note that when people also talk about like uh, gun violence, for example, that we see locally, there is a lot of gun violence happening locally. But the thing is, like, we need to start addressing and tackling why that gun violence is happening in the first place. It's not happening because that gun isn't existing. Uh, if we see what's happening in our hoods, for example, we see people who are struggling financially, who are struggling mentally, who are just struggling in general. And we've seen how like uh, due to poverty, which is because of capitalism, that we would see increased rates of crime. And in order to tackle these crimes, we need to be able to tackle capitalism. We need to basically end poverty. We need to end all of these conflicts that are leading to the reason why someone would want to use a gun in another person in the first place. Yeah. So the thing about guns is I have it because I want to defend myself. I am existing here within Providence, the city that we recently saw Nazis show up and wave like swastika flags at Red Ink, like knowing that I need to be able to protect myself against something like that. Because I know police are not going to do anything to protect us. Um, Police are known to more instead bring about more harm to us instead, as they've shown every single time all across this country. So then to see that after something like that, seeing how like we have a clear example of like seeing white supremacist groups like appearing in our city, um, the response that many marginalized people like myself are is to be able to arm ourselves to protect ourselves Only for local politicians to never reach out to us, like, at all. Most of these politicians who propose this legislation at one point have even considered talking to any um, marginalized gun owners in relation to us. Because, like, a lot of us who are marginalized gun owners, we are left-leaning. So, like, maybe it'd be cool if some who are listening or others that you know maybe start in that conversation... To actually, so then they have a better idea. Because as far as, like, they are aware, uh, the only ones they do know are, like, the NRA. And they always just talk about the NRA. But what about us? We're not the NRA. We're marginalized people who want to be able to protect ourselves. Of course. And then the ability to protect ourselves is being limited.
1: Um, there are also organizations like the um, the Latino... Um... The what Latino you know, Rifles Association? Yes, thank you so much. And there's also um another uh association that uh the Indigenous Anarchist Federation also advocates for um, you know, gun rights for indigenous people as far as I know. And yeah, like it would be worth it to acknowledge those sorts of organizations as well as you know, acknowledging the harm that the NRA does. They are two separate factors. Um, Sorry to cut you off, though.
0: No worries. And like, again, when it comes to the NRA, like they are not anyone's allies, as we've seen when in California, again, something we talked about in the gun episode, when we see in California, um, when the Black Panthers were like showing up with um, open carry rifles um, and other uh, firearms, you know, they did it for a reason due to, the conditions they were existing and to how um, they were greatly mistreated and due to the amount of white supremacy and racism in this country. And then when the NRA saw that, then the NRA was like, all right, sure. Now we just, we want guns out of those people's hands. Yeah. Because they'll always be siding with the main aspect of them being racist, white supremacists.
2: Yeah. And, and and seriously, you just need to look, look through history and look at uh, the series of gun legislation in the context that they came into being where you'll just see the pattern that white people can kill as many people as they want with guns um especially if they have a fucking badge but the second that white people start realizing that Non-white people have guns. It's when they start getting
0: real uncomfy.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, and we see it time and time again. Like every time, like uh, we have a politician who wants to like have less guns in the street, for example. They need to be aware that every single time it's happened in this country, it's always primarily just made marginalized people the targets because the main thing we need to remember out of all of this is who's going to enforce it all. Yeah, and who's going to enforce it all are the police the same police who continuously hurting marginalized people in every turn, all you're doing is giving them another reason to hurt us. Yeah.
2: Not only are they like one of the main perpetrators of violence on these communities, but let's, let's specifically say that like they are one of the main perpetrators of gun violence against these communities. And if our, legislation only affects us and not them that's a problem exactly
0: so yeah and then going again for the quick three things that passed which was uh the magazine restriction anything that is more than ten rounds is illegal which basically suddenly a lot of people are currently holding illegal magazines ever since that because uh uh you buy a you buy a stock handgun for example likelihood it's A standard issue is going to already hold more than 10 in the first place and you know people aren't made out of money people are struggling right now like a lot of people like who are marginalized and are impoverished who got a weapon to defend themselves don't have the burning money to just suddenly um just get new magazines all of a sudden because they already probably made their own sacrifices to get what they currently have to protect themselves and
2: and 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 that's the thing is that like this could be easily avoided. Like, I'm pretty sure um, Australia uh, ran a very successful, like, gun buyback program when they, like, banned uh, specific kinds of guns. I'm not sure how extensive their ban on firearms is in Australia, but they had a very successful gun buyback program that people didn't have a whole lot of complaints about from anything I've read. You know, if they just weren't using it and don't want to use it and want to get rid of it, they can get cash for it, but if they were using it, and they just want the cash back to buy another firearm. Like it's an easily preventable problem.
0: Kind of the gist of it. Like again, for like local politicians who do listen to us, like talk to marginalized people who have guns, get um, their input, please.
1: I do want to say one thing though. In terms of the mental illness, and and this is the last thing, and I'm so sorry. No worries. Um, but uh, in terms of the, the conversations that we have on mental illness and the points that people make on mental illness, in that case, pass Medicare for all and uh, extend it to mental health care um, because and, and extend that to you know making sure that schools actually have mental health resources because the reason why most of these kids are you know constantly full of anger is because, our, our school systems are designed to stress out children and traumatize them, like, past the point of no return. And ultimately, like, I don't really have a conclusion in my own personal terms of, like, how to address gun violence besides, um, you know, addressing the, the NRA. But in terms of addressing school violence, like, you know, addressing, like, community violence, there needs to be some establishment of, of making sure that if if you're angry <laughs> i don't know um i i could say it in the childish terms if you're angry you need help um like don't use it as a talking point to make sure that like you can gatekeep guns from like autistic and adhd people you know
0: um also adding to that that just reminded me when it comes to schools <laughs> um it'd be pretty cool if people with so much energy in relation to keeping guns out of the hands of um, marginalized and impoverished people, if they could probably also try having some of that energy when folks are trying to keep cops out of schools. Exactly. Because Because, uh, again, always constantly seeing this exclusion and ignoring the fact that you're all right with police officers, with guns, um, who have always shown again, time and time again, to be a danger to marginalized communities, to just be unopposed
2: it's it goes back to my point about just where our messages about gun violence are coming from who they're coming from and what their goals and what their agenda is because we want to talk about getting guns out of schools hopefully guns out of schools like I I see a lot of Republican politicians want to talk about putting guns in the hands of untrained teachers, which, wow, I can't see any way that would go wrong.
0: Yeah, suddenly um, money for guns for teachers, but not money for, like, art supplies or literally any supply.
2: Like, literally any supplies. But that's the thing, is that they don't mind with cops because they don't mind federally funded gun violence. They don't mind federally funded violence against marginalized groups and people of color and people with mental health issues because those people uh, are seen as less than because they don't fit into those people's view of, like, a successful society. There is something in their heads that tells them that we are not worth basic dignity. People are desperate because they will do anything they need to, to survive, even if it means pulling that trigger and killing someone. And we need to give people their dignity that they deserve so they don't have to go to such lengths.
0: And ending it off, we're going to just go over the last two real quick. Um, one again is that um, if you already if you were under 21, you couldn't get a, a handgun. Um, but now, um, if you're between 18 to 21, um, originally you could get a rifle slash shotgun, but now you can't do that either. And then there's like some hypocrisy in there too, because like no mention at all, just that, um, how we see the, mil- the military continuously always at these local events, trying to like recruit young people specifically for them to then just give them guns so they can go enact violences overseas, um, primarily to, um, black and brown people overseas mm. so that's an interesting thing to like think about as well and then the last one being that um you can no longer open carry the thing about that again is remembering how um when we saw racist uh gun legislation that passed in california years ago under reagan uh we saw how um was to stop black people from being able to show that they can defend themselves And, like, doing anything they can to take guns away from them. The third law right there just... It's not different than what happened in California as an act against, like, the Black Panthers.
1: Yeah. Uh, We could move straight to Pride. I was really (laughs) waiting to give that pun for a while.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) No worries. So, yeah.
2: We we had to meander a little bit because, unfortunately... Guns are. can do anything straight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Guns are a thing. Um, so yeah, um, again, if you want like a more detailed explanation on all of this, you should definitely check out the earlier episode with the John Brown Gun Club, who was our guest, because they put everything to the letter that explain it really well. So yes, Pride just happened this weekend. And of course, as usual, um, Rhode Island Pride... Especially when talking about cops, is where you'll find a whole bunch of cops. Of course, there's reasons why cops would be around in Pride or any event around downtown, because they have to be. We saw that when it came to this Pride, there were groups who protested or just boycotted it in general. Because uh, if you look at one of the main groups who boycotted it was House of Kodak, or Kodak. If you're familiar with like going to events around town, They are a very familiar name because they are the ones who essentially do their own like mini prides like constantly on like a monthly basis with various artists um, from music to all sorts of other different forms of art. And it's really nice. Well, they decided to boycott pride because of pride's uh, continuously wanting to work with uh, the police and also like how pride ri itself had mistreated a lot of their black indigenous people of color who are also staff of house of kodak there was that going on as well but then we also had a different group to show messages that matter because one thing we need to remember when it comes to pride that pride started because of a stonewall riot seeing how pride has become more of like a corporate Um, event has is a little disheartening.
1: I would like to name all of the corporations that I spotted there that uh, have not unionized yet and I would also like to name the uh, well also there were churches and um, can I can I name them all? Do it. Okay get ready for this. Dunkin Donuts, Doritos, Amazon, uh, T-Mobile, JP Morgan, Um, there was a pharmaceuticals company, but I can't remember their name, uh, College Unbound, who was offering water, and when I said that my phone could not scan a QR code, uh, so they had said that, uh, you have to scan a QR code in order to, um, get the free water, um, which, you know, water should be free, that's just a side note, um, but when I said that my phone could not scan a QR code, they basically were not very willing to give me the water after that. Strange. Yeah. Um. And uh, Doritos. Have I named Doritos yet? Yeah. The uh, okay.
0: Dorito ones. I got words for that one.
1: Yeah. Hit 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 us
0: with it. So. I just find it again, like seeing how pride has become more, unless uh, less of an event where it was inspired from the actions of folks who wanted liberation, to just being something where we have rainbow capitalism, where um, you have a Doritos truck just driving around, like like chucking uh, chips like footballs at people. Just does not does that not just feel really weird to people? Do people? Just not see the problem
2: there, people. People are misunderstanding the parade part of Pride Parade. Um, we're we're not here to dress up in costumes for little kids to have fun in the summer. We're here to, remem- to remember people who have fought and died for people like me, like you, like us, to be treated almost as equally. As everybody else. And we're not even fucking there yet. We're not done fucking fighting. Like, people need to remember that there was a reason that Stonewall happened. There is a reason why we still insist on having pride. And it's not just a celebration. It is not, like, yes, it is a celebration of being able to be out in public and be who we are and to not be ashamed of it and to be with people in our community. It is a day of cultural appreciation for us, but we need to remember that it is not just a celebration that we also have things to keep fighting for, that there are members of our community that are still extremely marginalized and are still being killed and discriminated against far more often than the average population.
0: Again, we didn't just see, like, the Doritos truck. Uh, I know you were going to mention a few more, but the other one that just, like, hits a little is knowing, like, how you- weapons manufacturers like Raytheon are there. Yes, Why so. is Raytheon at Pride? <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't you say that Lockheed had a fucking thing at Pride?
1: What is um Lockheed? That
0: one I can't confirm. Another one. Oh, okay. Um, there was ho- someone mentioned that they saw a table from- for Homeland Security there. Like, all of this is just kind of silly, isn't
1: it? What? (laughs) And, um, additionally, there was a congregational church that their, their quote on the, on the billboard that they had had, um, was, uh, something along the lines of, Jesus didn't discriminate, neither do we. And I think the thing that got under my skin the most for that is that this isn't an event for people who don't discriminate, it's an event for the queer community.
0: Oh, oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, you know,
2: I I, want to push back on that a little bit because um, while I myself have grown up with a lot of religious trauma, um, I grew up in central Pennsylvania. My dad was a youth pastor uh, for a fundamentalist kind of congregation. Um, Like, I moved out here when I was... 19 because my parents kicked me out like not for not for being trans actually it's kind of funny but like i got kicked out for basically not being christian enough and not wanting to live a completely christian lifestyle Mm -hmm. and um so like that's where i'm coming from with this it's not that i hold a whole lot of love for religion and christianity in particular but what I am coming from is that I have met several people uh, in my life who are both queer and religious, uh, whether that is uh, Christian or Jewish or, or, or Muslim. Like I know plenty of people who are both queer and religious, and I think that knowing that uh, there is a congregation that wants to participate in Pride... Um and would be a safe place for you to go to church and have community. Like, I see where there is value in that being at Pride. However, I think that it should be paramount that the people uh, who are representing the church or congregation at Pride also be queer.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I... Yeah, I appreciate that you pushed back on that. And I wasn't like trying to say that queer people shouldn't have spaces in religion. I personally consider myself to be a religious queer person as someone who is involved in indigenous, uh, in indigenous religion and, um, you know, indigenous paganism. But I also think that have seen the way that missionaries can affect individual communities. And I have seen the way that, you know, residential schools have affected um, various families. And I personally cannot get past the fact that if queer people are given a space and then instantly, like, I mean, instantly in terms of the span of 40 years, because in terms of colonialism, we are looking at instant, terms of less than a century but if if queer people are giving space are given spaces and then uh churches come into them it does feel like uh a colonialism is being done on um you know black and indigenous and and trans spaces um in a way that is uh, very familiar. But that being said, there should be, like, queer churches. And, like, yeah. I know plenty of queer churches. There's a queer church in Massachusetts that I would name if I didn't want to... if if I didn't want to not.
2: <laughs> oh. I, I really see where you're coming from. And, like, I, I will say that I do have some mixed feelings about specifically churches uh, participating in Pride, whether or not uh, they are Uh, supportive of the lgbtq plus community or not as long as they aren't evangelizing because that's the big sticking point for me too is is missionaries and, and evangelism i think that if you need to send people out uh to places to try to convince people to join your religion that you're probably not doing a good job of selling it on your own manipulate people into specific conversational avenues to get them to believe in your religion and think it makes sense. I I don't think your religion's doing a good job of conveying its messages. You know, pride is about queer people getting to express themselves however they would like to. If that has to do with their religion, if they want to uh express that they go to a church and find other people who are queer, and Christian already in the community, I think that that's fine. I'm pretty okay with it. I just don't want people evangelizing and trying to, you know, convert the dirty sinners at Pride. Like, I, I don't think that that's appropriate or should be anywhere near Pride.
0: Along with the boycott, we also saw how groups like... uh The Communist Party of Rhode Island were holding their own solidarity uh, with House of Kodak. Um, They had a sign that says, police don't belong at Pride. And they were there to make sure that they can show that message. And then we had a separate group. Uh, We had, there was various groups all around doing their own things. And then uh, another notable one was one that was a group of autonomous individuals who were holding up um, various banners, like one was, remember Stonewall, no police at Pride. Another one that I really liked um, was, we will not assimilate, fight fascism. Um, There was another part to it, but uh, the picture I took of it, unfortunately, had the bottom cut off. Um, It was something uh, about um, being against the state. So they showed up uh, on Black Block. It's neat seeing that at these events. And more folks should definitely come out whether it's with the Communist Party. Unintended.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> whether
0: it's with the showing up with the Communist Party or like in t- autonomous groups, like it's neat that there are people who are showing up and not just complacent with the rainbow capitalism that we're seeing at Pride. Because again, like it's, really weird seeing like Amazon whose whole thing has been union busting or letting its workers die at warehouses during like uh, natural disasters or more like horrific weather conditions. So like then just seeing there's something like Amazon just show up calling itself Glamazon. Just
1: hell, they called themselves Glamazon.
0: Glamazon.
1: Oh, oh. God, that makes it ten like, times worse. Like
2: let let us remember <laughs> that Amazon is the company that had uh that had someone die in one of their warehouses and then had people like still working while her body was still on the floor. They made people keep working. Yeah. Just, just we'll, we'll get someone to take care
1: of it. Just keep on, just keep on going, you wage slave. And Glamazon feels like, I just want to say this, because um, I'm processing this right now, Glamazon feels like, forgive me for the use of this word, the yossification of class violence... For the purpose of a very specific kind of gay person, which, of course, Pride always adheres to, um, that being, you know, the rich, white, cisgender, gay man who, uh, is liberal if not centrist.
0: Yeah, and I also am very aware of the faces that I saw, not the ones who were in Black Block, Black Block pretty chill. You can hide your identity pretty easily. Then I'm seeing like, I would just like watching the reactions people were having. And you know, there were some furries. The furries were my favorite ones. I, I, uh, (laughs) nothing against the furry community. Good costumes. Like I, myself who like makes my own little like punk jacket, for example, can appreciate knowing that they're, that the, the art that they do for their own suits, but going beyond that like seeing like uh what you mentioned like there are folks that like would walk by and read these important messages like again that remember stonewall no police at pride and then suddenly seeing a disgust in their face like do they not know what who pride the is. opposition was at stonewall <laughs> <laughs> so yeah if you have a message in relation to something that is pretty messed up like you should show up and express it definitely show up um or or don't again um like as folks were boycotting it or did their own alternative prides aside from pride we also had another large event which was it was all right not as what i was hoping compared to um the old ones as most folks expressed but to be fair we hadn't had it for two years because you know why um But yeah, PVD Fest, which was the weekend earlier. What happened during that?
1: Wide Awakes and other mutual aid groups were forced to relocate. Um, It wasn't too big of an issue. Many of them uh, ended up going around the city and providing food to people. But there were a lot of accommodations that needed to be made. That's ultimately the only thing that I I really noted about Pride Fest. I walked around a little bit and it was nice. Um, but if you guys have problems with it, please let me
0: know. <laughs> um, most of them I didn't really have much of a problem with Pride. I wasn't really there. There was like a fest. Yeah. Oh, goddamn it. <laughs> We're I, good.
2: I I actually uh, didn't get a chance to go to either event. Um, there's this uh grub been seeing up on the weekends uh up in Boston because it's like the only availability we have and and then she's going away to uh uh jersey for a couple weeks traveling and then to the cape so we wanted to see each other a couple more times before she had to leave but um i did go to uh summer pride uh up in somerville um two weeks ago with her and like you know it was a cool it was a cool little fest to be honest like some queer vendors, um, just, like, you know, food, art, music, what else can you ask for, really? Um, I did have an incident, like, outside, (laughs) outside of the event, though, and, uh, just, I don't know, it just makes me feel, uh, really weird how, like, it's nice to go to these queer events during Pride Month, but... At the same time, there's a segment of people who get a lot angrier and more aggressive during Pride Month. And uh, it just can lead to a rise in incidents uh, and violence for queer people during this month.
0: Yeah, and if only um, <laughs> if only um, queer people didn't have to worry about not being ha- able to have the means to protect themselves, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, again, PvD Fest, it was alright. Um. Saw, like, Mudder, uh Bochek, uh, for example, is going to be playing Fuck the 4th, July 3rd at A's to 20. Hey. And, yeah, if you don't know what Fuck the 4th is, essentially, um, there, we don't feel like there is a reason to be celebrating the United States. So, instead... We're gonna have some punk and electronic stuff and other things going on at Ace to 20 all day, July 3rd. Come through if the tickets aren't gone by the time you come through. I uh, swear
2: to God, if I don't hear a band cover "American" by uh by The Descendants, like, come on, guys, you're punk
0: bands. And yeah, um, from there, um, we talked again. We focused a lot on pride and guns. Yeah, hopefully the main expectation or hope is just that at least if we have some folks who are listening to us, specifically specific politicians who haven't really given much thought about like our feelings in relation to uh, the issues that we brought up, they should consider that. From there, I'd say that was pretty much the main things we wanted to talk about. And yeah, how's is our new co-host.
2: Hello, hey. hi, goodbye. I suppose.
0: Yeah. Well, before we see say our again. goodbyes,
2: <laughs> see you again soon.
0: Um, gonna also add that. Um, again, I know folks are expecting us to drop the uh, PVD World Music interview. Unfortunately, the laptop that it was recorded on exploded. Well,
1: exploded. Well, that it's it, it, it,
0: more like it took a it took a mighty long fall, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, I'm looking to getting it Frankenstein so I can at least save it and then edit it on a different computer. And then
2: technically, if you were Frankensteining it, you'd be taking a lot of pieces from a bunch of dead computers and putting it into a working one.
0: Oh, I just been using a lot of duct tape uh, (laughs) because it's at a point where uh, (laughs) if the duct tape wasn't holding parts of it together. It would not be working at all. So uh, the duct tape's been really useful. Duct tape um,
1: is engineering for the working class.
0: Yeah. So I'll be having that out soon. It's, it's pretty nice. We talk with um, Chan- I talk with Chance in relation to um about how why PVD World Music exists because there was a need for it and like some cool things like how um indigenous music is so important to keep alive and keep it going because it passes down indigenous knowledge from prior generations. So yeah. And then from there, we do have music for this week. The featured music for this week is going to be by the kissing dolls. The kissing dolls are a grunge noise duo from Massachusetts and here in RI. Um, they're a pretty nice band. We recently had them play at Aldios. Um, they've been they played PvD Fest actually. They were a highlight for that. I recall there were some young folks who were dancing while Kissing Dolls were playing and then that showed up on the news. But yeah, they have a song called Heat Wind which is off their upcoming full-length record that's going to be coming out next year. So, yeah, if you like it, you should definitely check out their music. And, yeah, from there, we're all set. Um, Hope you all had a right time listening to us.
1: Yep.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I hope you had as good of a time as you could in the world that we live in.
0: Yeah, be seeing you all again
1: soon. Goodbye.